Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talaya Dindi. I am a 10-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. This podcast is about sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who made it on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complementary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Welcome to another episode of Navigating Cancer Together. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Talea Dindi. Today, our very special guest is Paula Seafair. When Paula, a cancer survivor, learned about her friend Agnieszka's diagnosis, she wanted to be there for her and help her and her family get through that challenging time. It was during that experience that Paula realized how hard it was to show up for her friend, when and how her friend needed her the most. She thought, there has to be a better way. And when she couldn't find a solution to their problem, they thought, we could create it. And that's how My Care Crew came to be. My Care Crew is an impact organization on a mission to make the cancer journey a little more bearable for patients and caregivers. You'll never find Paula without a smile on her face, even when times are tough, which they are often when you're a mom, entrepreneur, and cancer thriver. Paula, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure, Paula. I was so intrigued by my cancer crew as well as the app. And then also the story behind how the organization got started. Paula, please first share with us what kind of cancer you had and how you learned about your cancer diagnosis. Okay. My thyroid, I have thyroid cancer. And the way I learned about it was most the silliest way possible. I had trouble swallowing one time and I just thought, okay, that was interesting. And it came and went. And then it happened again. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I mentioned it to a friend who's a doctor. And he said, well, just to be sure, why don't we get you an ultrasound? And on December 31st, I went in for an ultrasound. And on January 4th, my birthday, I went back in to get my results, not thinking anything like cancer. And that's when I was diagnosed with cancer. Just from a simple, I just couldn't swallow quite right once or twice. Yeah. Wow. And thankfully you went in right away. Mm-hmm. You started feeling that something wasn't right. And when you received your diagnosis, what was going through your mind at that time? I was a new mom at the time. So I had, because I wasn't expecting to be told I had cancer. My mom was with me. We were on the way back from Disney. So I brought my mom with, with me to the appointment and I had my one and a half year old son sitting on my lap and the doctor just opens the door. And I remember he didn't even say hello. He's sorry, kiddo, it's cancer. And I was just so shocked because I wasn't prepared for that information. And I couldn't really, I, to, in my mind, when I replay it to me, do you remember Charlie Brown, that movie, when they talk and it's like, wah, mm-hmm. wah, wah. 
Yeah. When I rethink of that moment, that's what that doctor sounds to me. Cause all I could focus on was my son sitting on my lap and like thinking, Oh my God, am I going to see him grow up? Or, Oh my God, who's going to take care of him? Or so that was my introduction to the world of cancer. Yeah. Paula, hearing those words and being a new mom, how, what was the hardest part about that? Was it the fact that Mm -hmm. you were thinking, I want to be here for my son? How is this going to work? What were some of the questions that you had at that time? I think my immediate reaction, and it was more of a protection, who's going to take care of my son if I'm not here? Will I be around to see him graduate? Will I be around to see him get married? And it was just that, of course, your mind goes to the worst case scenarios um, in those situations. And that's exactly where mine went. But I think that was the hardest part coming to terms with being somebody that has dealt with anxiety in the past was, oh my gosh, how, what's going to happen? Who's going to help me do this? How I do this? That was the hardest part. I think if I wasn't a mom at the time, it would have been a lot easier for me to handle the diagnosis. I totally understand that. Paula, having had anxiety in the past, what are some strategies that you use to help you at some point better handle or deal with the diagnosis? I, in retrospect, I should have done this much earlier on. I didn't. I thought I could handle it myself because I had always handled life myself and I could do it on my own. And in every experience prior to that, I managed to get through whatever it was I was going through. And I unfortunately took that same approach with cancer. And it wasn't into several years into the process that I realized the anxiety got away from me and I could no longer handle it like I had in the past. And it wasn't until I started working with a therapist that it, I realized this is what I should have done from the get-go because this is, it's a big, overwhelming process that unless you've been through it or you have somebody to guide you through it. I remember at one point thinking that I was crazy, just the way my mind was working after some of the treatments. I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm losing my mind. And it wasn't that I was losing my mind. I was just trying to process all the stuff that you go through. So I have to say, I don't think I handled it very well in the beginning. I don't think I I could share any strategies of things that I did. I tried surviving through it, that's which right. wasn't mm-hmm. the best approach, but that, yeah, that's one of my learnings of this experience is don't do it alone if you don't have to, and you don't have to, we can all hopefully get access to somebody who can help us. Yeah. That's so true. Paula, I can totally relate to all the different emotions that you were feeling. And one thing that surprised me was we think when we don't have to go through it, we haven't been through it. I just thought, oh, you're just going to feel sick and you go through and get these mm-hmm. treatments and things like that. But it impacts your entire life. And I think that's part of what makes it so overwhelming as well. Not just the treatments, not just all the appointments and all the information, but you really have to learn how to function in different areas Mm -hmm. of your life with this big thing sitting right in the middle of it. And I don't think anybody prepares you for that. I think 
one of the first things you should be told as a cancer patient is not just the protocol focuses on your body and your treatment, right? Nobody mentions how your mind is going to respond and what a big role your emotions and your mind play in this journey. And that's probably the biggest place where I was totally unprepared and completely caught off guard. I was not expecting that. I totally agree with you. I believe that mindset is everything. Just grateful for some of the things that I honestly stumbled upon, because mm-hmm. like you said, no one talks about that part of it. it, but it's so critical. And it's, I found that it's critical to have those tools and strategies early in your diagnosis. That just makes things so much easier. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to think you're going crazy. Like I you have did. enough to worry about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh my God, my mind, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> exactly. I can relate. I can relate. Paula, looking back, do you have, or did you have any unexpected gifts or insights? I do. And it's weird to say, but I don't know if I would have done the work had it not been for cancer because cancer pushed me to such a degree that it was either I go back and do all the hard emotional work of working through not only the cancer trauma, but all the previous traumas that I didn't realize were in there somewhere that I hadn't processed. And so I guess the gift that I got or the way I'll see it is cancer forced me to do the work and it's hard work and it takes months, sometimes years. In my case, it's been years, unfortunately, of like working with therapy and just doing the work every day. Cause it's not like an upward trajectory, or at least for me, it's one of those, you go up, you go back down, you go up, you come back down it's every day. It's like a new fresh start. And yeah, I don't know if, if I wasn't in this kind of more dire situation, would I have the courage or the inclination to do the work and just process through all these things that at some point in our lives, we have to face our story and mm-hmm. walk through it and hopefully make it to the other side. Yes. But, I'd say that's my gift. That's wonderful. And I can relate to that too, Paula, because I always say, and I can say this now, but I always say it starts with cancer, but the more and more you talk with someone, the more you work with someone, all these other things start to come up and they could Mm. be things that they've been holding on from their childhood. In Mm. my case, being unhappy in their career so many different things in life. And I always try to encourage people, if you have to go through the process of healing from cancer, try to think about other areas of your life as well, where you need to do some healing. Because once you get into survivorship, let's try to have the best quality of life possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And I never thought about it that way going into it. But in retrospect, as you say, once you start doing that work, and you start peeling that onion, it's hard to not go through the whole onion and say, okay, what do we do here? How do we work through all this? What do I want to be like and aspire to, to go after this journey? And, and it's, I wish I didn't take cancer <laughs> to go through that, I know. but it's what it is. And that's the story we got and <laughs> we'll go with it. <laughs> That's right. It's part of our journey, as they say. So, and the gift is being able to come out of it with something positive. And Mm -hmm. I think if we've done that, we've won. 
I think so. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Paula, I'm curious to know, other than like the mindset, were there other things that you wish you would have had during your cancer journey or your cancer care? Was there something missing? I think that the main thing is for me was that external help, not a family member, more than a friend, but somebody who truly knew how the mind work, how emotions work. And just the way that, that I am, I need science and data. And then once I understand something, then I can process it. So I think if I had that knowledge from the beginning, that would have been so helpful to me. And the other thing that would have been helpful to me, I'm a type A personality going into this experience, just knowing that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to accept help. I think those two things would have made my life entirely so much easier to go through if I would just be okay with asking for help. And the more I talked to people, I didn't realize how hard, I thought it was just me, how hard <laughs> it is for people to admit that they need help or to accept help that's being offered because we think we can do it all on our own and we don't have to. Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah. So I think for me, those two were my two big ahas. Wonderful. Paula, for some people, asking for help is tied to shame and mm -hmm. shame that they've been diagnosed with cancer, shame that they may be a burden on someone else. Yeah. Did that play a part in how you were feeling about asking for help? I'd never, I didn't categorize it as shame or I didn't define it as shame, but that's a very interesting point because maybe that's what was underneath the feeling. I felt more like I didn't want to be a burden to other people. And it maybe we came from pride. You know what? I've always taken care of myself. I'm taking care of my family. And now I need to be taken care of. It just didn't, it didn't sit right with me. So maybe the underlying emotion that I was, maybe it was shame and I didn't interpret it that way, but I see your point. Mm -hmm. Do you feel at this point, Paula, that you are better able to accept help and support oh, yeah. from others? <laughs> and I'm Wonderful. really good at asking for help now. That's right. That's right. I love that. Because oh. we all need it. We just can't do this thing called life alone. Not, yeah, not live, not momhood, not <laughs> cancer. Not, there's nothing that we, I don't know where we get this idea that we need to do things on our own. I don't know if it comes from society or the way we're raised or especially as women, as we're being asked to play so many roles in, and we saw that in the last two years during the pandemic, we had to be teachers and mothers and chefs and cleaners and all of these entrepreneurs and executives. And it's like, how does anybody expect that can be done without help? It's impossible. Mm -hmm. I think I agree. <laughs> it's unrealistic too. Yes, yes. <laughs> I agree. In speaking of a lot of different roles, Paula, you have spent a lot of time in corporate America working for a mm -hmm. lot of big corporations. Please tell us how you made that transition from corporate America to creating mm -hmm. and starting my cancer crew. I love creating things. I love making an impact and making a difference. And when I had my son working in the corporate world, it, my hours were ridiculous. And I was always traveling from one country to another. And I 
realize it's not gonna be feasible for me to raise the child and continue at the speed that I was going, working through. When I left the corporate world, I started my own company, which was not my care crew yet. My care crew came about later when my friend Anyashka, she was also diagnosed with cancer. And so we were cancer buddies over the years. And when she got really ill the last time that she was in the hospital and we were coordinating across all our friends, getting help for her, sending care packages, making sure she didn't feel she was going through this alone. We realized how hard it was to coordinate all that communication and the things that we wanted to send and ship things. And we didn't know if we were shipping the right things. And that's when she started feeling a little better. I said to her, I don't know if I was a good friend to you when you were really feeling ill, because I don't know that I showed up in the way you needed me because cancer is one of those experiences that is so personal, right? So what I may need from you as my friend may not be what you need from me as your friend. And just because I've had cancer, I thought that I might be in a better position to help her. And I soon realized that's not the case because her experience is different than mine. And so I said to her, I really, I feel like I wasn't there for you. I feel like I wasn't the best friend I could be. And we started talking about like how hard it was for friends to be there for another friend or for loved ones to be there. And we started talking about what could we do to make a difference? Like what could we do to help other people not go through such a hard time? And that's how my care crew, the idea for my care crew came about. We thought about what were like the main pain points we experienced. And between her and I, we have similar personalities. <laughs> she was also very type A. She was like, I hated asking for help. I said, yeah, me too. <laughs> and then when people offered help, she goes, Neil, people would ask me, what can I help you with? And she's like, I don't know. I am so yeah. overwhelmed that I don't know what help I need. So I said, okay, asking for help answering the famous question, how can I help you? <laughs> and then the other one that we had talked about was keeping people updated, like telling the same story over and over again, because people call you to find out how you're doing. And it's, of course, you appreciate that. And it's taxing on the patient who's having to retell that story because it's, it's sitting there in your mind, you're going over and over the same thing. That energy just stays in your body. So that was the third pain point. And the last pain point we had talked about was like getting gifts that sit on the counter because either you can't enjoy them or you get flowers that they make you not feel too well, whatever it is. So we were thinking if we can fix at least those four pain points, maybe we can make a difference. And that's how we started jotting ideas of what features we would do in this app that we wanted to make available for free to people just to make those pain points a bit more streamlined. And that's how my care crew came about. I love that. It's so true, Paula, that you can ask a person, how can I help you? And they may not know at that time. Mm, yeah. And so for situations like that, Paula, how can my care crew help those situations? Is there a place in the app where someone can pose the question, how can mm -hmm. I help you? Or what do you need? The person that they're wanting to support, they don't know at that time, are they able to go back and fill something in or how does that work with the yeah. app? The way the app works is that as a patient, you create an account and then you invite the people that you want to join your care crew. So it's private, it's by invitation only. And once let's say you receive my invitation to join my care crew, you join in your face of the app, 
you can offer help. So you can, and then there's specific things that you can offer help with like transportation, meals, babysitting, personal care, house chores. And in those tickets that we create, that you create, you can be very specific about Paula. I can do grocery shopping this day at this time. Paula, I can do babysitting this day, these times. Paula, I can come and sit with you these days. It gives the friends and loved ones very specific ways and opportunities to offer help so that the patient can say, I need this. Yep. No, thank you. I don't really need that. Maybe later. So that it takes the guesswork from the patient of how can you help me? I don't know how you could help me. So it it lets the friends and family be very specific about how they can show up. And then it lets the patient choose of all the ways that you're able to show up. Here's what I really need the most. That's wonderful. That sounds like it will reduce a lot of stress on both parties, which Mm -hmm. is so important. Yeah. The app also from the patient side, it lets the patient do the same thing. They can be very specific about here's exactly what I need. And then the friend receives all these different help requests. And then as a friend, you can say, I can help with this. I can help with this. I can't help with that. So from both ends, in a way, it takes the emotion out of the process because it's just saying, here's what I need. Here's what I can offer. And it's more of a transaction. I know that sounds bad, but in the environment that we're in, when you're going through cancer, you need that more transactional. Here's what I need. Here's what I can offer. And let's move on. It takes the emotion out of it, stress Mm -hmm. out of asking for help or offering help. It's stressful for the friends too to (laughs) offer up because you feel like an idiot. You're like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what I should say or what I offer or what can I do? Yeah. That's so true. And I like how you posed it as getting things taken care of. Okay, so this is what my friend needs, or this is what I need. Let's get this taken care of and and move on Mm -hmm. and not spend too much time worrying about is this something they're going to want or not? Right. That's so important. There's bigger things to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Paula, how is this app different from other apps that are available? There's many wonderful apps that are out there. And they all, we all come at it from different directions. And I think what we did with our app is that we came at it from what were the main pain points we experienced. And so our main pain points was the asking for help, receiving help offers from family and friends, keeping people updated, and then the wish list component. If you look out there, there's apps that do all these kinds of things, but I feel like we are one of the first ones that have put them together in one location to make the process a bit more seamless so that you don't have to go to multiple places and do your wish list here in the registry and then do your requests here. All of these features we talked about are in one app. That's nice. You're right, Paula. I have seen apps where that one app is specifically for keeping people updated. Another Mm -hmm. app is for, hey, I need this kind of help or I need this kind of gift or supply. But I like that everything is right there in one location. At least for now, those are the features we have. We hope to increase the functionality of the app in the future and add more support and tools. But for now, we thought if we could at least help with those four things that we would be hopefully making a difference to somebody's life. Paula, please tell the audience where they can find the app and download the app. 
So right now it's available both in the Google and the Apple store. And the app is completely free. There's no in-app advertisement. There's no in-app purchases. All these features that we've talked about, they're completely free. Wonderful. Paula, is there anything else you'd like to share about the app? I guess the other thing that I'll share regarding the wish list. So it's not just about products or gifts per se. One of the things that you can add in there is experiences. So I want to go for a walk or I want to go to a movie or I want to go, I don't know, gardening and maybe I need company. So you're able to put experiences of things that fill you up and help you get through the hard days. That's one of the things about the wish list. And the other thing is it's not gifts in terms of just something new or something beautiful or something expensive. It could be things like, I remember my friend mentioning she just needed a walker for her son. And she thought, well, maybe if I had the app, maybe somebody would have seen that and they could have, if they had one in their family or somebody they knew, they could have just lent it to me. The idea of the wish list is not just gifts like flowers or chocolates. It's experiences, things that fill you up and help you get through bad days or things that you need, a wheelchair, a walker, whatever it is that maybe somebody in your network has and you could just borrow it. You don't have to buy it. So that's something different about the wish list in, in our case. That's so important. You're right. It could be something that you may need just to use one time mm-hmm. and to prevent further expenses coming out. You could just mm-hmm. borrow it from someone. I really like that feature. And yeah. I think that it's so needed because a lot of times things come up on our cancer journey and we're not expecting those things to come up. They're not long-term needs, but we need it at that time. And instead of spending more money, we can just borrow it from someone. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It gets expensive, especially in the U S with the cost of medicine and oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Paula, as we shift from the app, what are three things you would tell a person who just learned of their cancer diagnosis? Oh boy. The first one, I think I sound like a broken record, but I can't say it enough. Get therapy, get support, get an expert to talk to from the get-go. I think that would have made my experience completely different than what it was. The other thing, and I think we've hit on this theme already, it's get really comfortable with asking for help. Forget the pride, forget the whatever it is, just you're going to need help. Just get comfortable with that idea and comfortable with the idea of, again, accepting help. Cause there's, there's, at least in my case, I was blessed to have friends and family. They were around me and offering help and asking me what they could do. And sometimes just being okay with saying, yeah, I need help. I can accept babysitting right now. Thank you. I think that would be my number two. And my number three thing would be And I don't know if this is a woman thing or a mom thing or, but we tend, or I tend to put other people's priorities ahead of mine. Oh, let me go and fix this. Oh, let me make sure that they're okay with this. And I think not that it's in a selfish way, but prioritizing what you need at that time. If it's that you need quiet time and you want nobody in your hospital room, then feel okay. Say, you know what? I just need to. I just need to decompress. Or if you want to be around people, then feeling okay, asking for people to come by or Mm -hmm. whatever it is that 
you need at that time so that you can get to the next step, just prioritizing that. And I don't think we're, I, I don't know, this is a theme that comes up with a lot of other women that I've spoken with. They were like, that's true. We, and they all tend to be moms too. So I don't know if that's the theme, but they're like, yeah, especially with little ones, like you're constantly on the go trying to make sure they're taken care of. It's prioritize your self-care and not feel, not feel bad about it. I think that's a woman thing, period. <laughs> because it might be, yeah. It's hard. It, and mm. It's almost, I feel like there's a, there's this unspoken stigma tied to it. If mm. you're willing to put yourself first and prioritize yourself, you must be selfish. And yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just feel like that's a woman thing. I don't know if we put it on ourselves or if society puts it on us, mm. but I can relate to that feeling. Yeah. It's a very common conversation topic that we have with other people in the community about just feeling bad about saying, you know what? No, I setting boundaries. Like, mm -hmm. no, I don't want to see you today. No, I don't have the energy to, and then getting comfortable with some days you make plans and that day you just, your body's not responding the way you thought it would. And it's okay to cancel plans. Mm -hmm. Your friends will understand. Yeah. Paula, being that you received your diagnosis when you mm. were a new mom and now fast forwarding to now, what was your biggest parenting challenge during cancer treatment and into survivorship? Earlier on, it was energy. I had a one-year-old incredibly active. He still is incredibly active. <laughs> and I just didn't have the energy to keep up with him. And I, I felt in that regard, I felt a lot of shame because I feel I wasn't the mom that he deserved, that I should have been there with them running, coming, going. And I just didn't have the energy to do the things that he wanted to do. So that was the hardest part going in the beginning of the journey. But I think now that I've more on the survivorship side and my son is older, I think that the wisdom that I gained through the process makes me a better mom for him. If that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I always say there's something about cancer that grows you, whether you're ready to or not, yeah. but you really mature in ways and at a faster pace, I think, than you would if you didn't have to go through something so challenging and yeah. really it doesn't just have to be cancer. It could be any major trauma in yeah. life. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. It forces yeah. you to do the work. Yeah. Because otherwise you don't survive it. I think that's right. You either do the work or you don't make it through at least emotionally. That's so true. So true. Yeah. Paula, how are you doing today in survivorship? Are you considered NED or cancer-free? I'm considered NED. I don't remember if we spoke about this, but for the first round of Ned, I couldn't celebrate because that's the, it was like a couple of weeks between me getting Ned and my friend passing away. And I couldn't, I didn't feel I could celebrate being Ned knowing that she didn't make it and that her boys didn't have a mom and that she wasn't going to be around. So it hasn't been till this year when I went back and they reconfirmed that the numbers still look good and that I finally was able to 
oh my God, I did this. I made it. So yeah, it's interesting how this is just like that gift that keeps on giving. There's just so much to this, to this journey. So now I can say that I'm in a good place. I feel that through this experience, I've found my purpose and my passion all in one. And I've put all that into my care crew so that hopefully with what we're doing, we can, I hope, make somebody else's life a little bit easier and just a little bit easier to get through this journey. Absolutely. And congratulations, Paul. I'm so very happy for you. Anytime I meet another survivor, like my heart just lights up because I can relate to some of the things that they may have had to go through to get to that Mm. point. And I just want to tell you, I've checked out the app. I think it's great. I would recommend it to anyone. So thank you for the work that you're doing with the app. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Paula, before we end, I always ask my guests these two questions. The first Mm. one is, what is something that you've learned in life that you would like to share with the listeners? I don't know if this comes from getting old or it was through (laughs) cancer or all of the above, but I think the realization of that the story society tells us of success and the definition of success is maybe for some people it is, but I found it that for me, my definition of success has 180 in the last 10 years and it's coming back to me. And the awareness and the realization of that joy that we look for, that happiness that we look for externally, it's actually within you and you generate that for yourself. And I, somebody should teach us this in school, I think. <laughs> wow. You mean I generate my own joy and my own happiness? And as simple as that sounds, it has been a profound mind shift for me of stop looking out there for what's in here. That's been my biggest lesson. I get it. Such a wonderful lesson. And like you said, if we could have had that wisdom in our twenties and things like that, when it's supposed to be the best time of our life. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about that. (laughs) Maybe physically (laughs) it's the best time of our lives, but I don't know. Emotionally, I don't think I would, I'm close to 50 now. And I don't think I would trade going back to my twenties. Oh my God. No. I'm with you there. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Paula, what's next for you? What's next for me? Trying to always continue to be the best mom I can be for my son and then do anything and everything I can to make my care crew be a reality that can continue to expand and help people, not only in the U.S., but I hope to be able to help people wherever they are that they need help with their cancer journey. That's wonderful. Paula, if people have questions for you, they want to learn more about you or connect with you Mm. or learn more about my care crew, please tell the audience where they can find you. I think the easiest would probably be on LinkedIn, Paula Seafair at LinkedIn. My contact, all my contact details are on, on there. Wonderful. So be sure to look Paula up and learn more about my care crew on LinkedIn. I will also share that information in the listen notes. Paula, before we end today, is there anything else that you would like to share? I just want to thank you for the work that you do and for having a platform 
that you bring people together, sharing stories that hopefully those stories, there's somebody out there that needed to hear that today. And if, if we can just touch one person, if one person can make it through the day because of something you said, or I said, or one of your other guests said, then I think that's profound impact. So I want to thank you for creating this platform and for giving me the opportunity to share our story with you and your audience. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Paula, for your kind words. It's my pleasure. And I just love bringing people on like yourself. You're doing such important and amazing work that is impacting lives for the better. And I feel like it's my duty to share your message, to make people aware of the fact that you're out there, tell them about my care crew, and just let them know that there are resources and people Mm. out there who can help you. Yeah. Yeah. There's many, not just my app. There's a lot of resources Mm -hmm. out there. We just need to go out there and look or ask for help. (laughs) That's right. Ask for help. Paula, thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed talking with you. And I want to thank you again for sharing your cancer journey and your story, because you just never know how it will help others. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Before we end today, I would like Mm -hmm. to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you appreciate the show, drop a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For notes from the show, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. After you check out the show notes, head over to my gift shop and show yourself or someone special in your life some love with gifts of encouragement, hope, and positive affirmations. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.